Hey guys, welcome back to the Golf Podcast. This is an exciting one. Uh, we've got a huge announcement this week. We've got the release of the SM9 Vokey wedges. Love new equipment. Absolutely love it. I mean, it's always exciting. Always. Right? It's always exciting to be able to take advantage of some new technology and some new things that went into it. Uh, and, you know, through the years, we've we've been very fortunate that when the SM8s went, came out, we got to bring Bob Vokey on the show. That's right. Talk about it. Remember? Mm -hmm. So... This year, um, we were equally as excited. We've got our good friend, Aaron Dill, Vokey Wedrup. He's, he is the guy in the tour truck every week, making sure those tour players are dialed in with their wedges. And we've got Corey Gerard, who's the marketing director of Vokey Wedges. They're both going to come on the show and uh, answer our questions. We want to know, like, what's new? What's changed? You yeah, know, I'm excited definitely. about this. Absolutely. I mean, I get a lot of questions a lot about wedge fittings, indoor versus outdoor, how the new wedges changed from the last wedges. So I'm looking forward to bringing them on, throwing these at them. And I also want to ask them a little bit about some tour stuff. For sure. Yep. And you know what? And that's another thing. You're right. I get oftentimes like DMs and people who are just starting to get into their first fittings as they see us talking about them a lot and like where to start. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people driver fittings are important. Iron fittings, you see us do it all. But for me, pound for pound, bang for the buck, fittings i think wedge fittings and putter fittings are so important yeah as are ball fittings that we overlook too of but, course mm -hmm. but i mean think about how versatile those couple of clubs three maybe four clubs in your bag are think about how many different shots you hit think about how many different types of shots think about how much of your strokes happen there mm -hmm. um it's all about getting it close to the hole you know what yeah, i mean for sure so um we're gonna go into that i want to ask them mm -hmm. like some of that step-by-step -step process because i know that the website also has a great fitting tool so we'll dive into that before we do all that though i got i gotta put this one out there and we can we can kind of debate it ourselves we, we recently put out a poll on the youtube okay channel, right? i'm loving so, these by the way <laughs> we asked what do we got? which golf scenario is worse <laughs> never getting a hole in one or getting a hole in one with no witnesses oh i'm instantly the latter no witnesses because i feel like it, it's hard to get one right I mean, it's, it's, of course. And if I don't get one, okay, I'm not going to be upset. I think I would be really upset if it went in and no one was there to witness it. <laughs> like, what do I do? Take out the phone and just like selfie myself? I don't. And, and is it, I got to ask you this, is it the hardest part? Is you think no one will ever believe you? I don't think they will. Because <laughs> there's always going to be like 99% belief. There's always right. going to be that shred. Or people give you that face they're like, like yeah. they, like they, you know, right. they're trying to show you like they care, but they don't really believe you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I think at least in the moment, I would feel so great no matter what. Because, you know, you and I were talking to two guys who've never had a hole in one. Right. You know, who knows? Maybe when we get dialed in with these new SM9s, maybe that'll I think change. It, I, th I think this is the year, This by is the, the way. year. I mean, I thought last year was the year. You put some close. I did. The two in one day that went like around the lip. Remember when we were playing that par three course? Oh, Hamilton, Hamilton Farm, Hamilton the Hickory Farm? course. I had almost I had two. Oh, no, sorry. We excuse got me. two legit scares that day. And like legitimate, like heart pumping scares. One like literally hit in front of the hole and bounced over it. Yeah. So it's coming. And one thing I will say is if you're not already subscribed to our main channel, on YouTube, the Golf Fissy channel, make sure you do so because we, from that video on, we, we're carrying this forward, mm -hmm. holding that accountability that if we ever make a hole in one on the channel, we're going to give one lucky subscriber a thousand bucks. Yep. Remember? We're doing Cause it. we said it's like uh, buying a round of drinks, but we're going to do it for our subscribers. I can't wait for that day to come. It's that's coming. It's going to be the it's... happiest thousand bucks we ever spent. And I actually just pulled up the YouTube. That's why I just fired off some loud volume in the background, but I wanted to look at some of these comments here. And this one that, that Christopher put on this poll is I have four witnessed and three unwitnessed. <laughs> oh, jeez, He's double dipping. That is what happens during those quick run out of the pro shop rounds as an assistant pro. Ah, yeah. So 
Very interesting. My father has, I think, three now, and I think one might have been unwitnessed. One, he was out there uh, by himself, and I don't remember whether he videotaped, like it's vague because it was years ago, or, or if he FaceTimed me, like yeah. immediately. You got to show somebody. He's got to show somebody. But um, that's a funny, and a quick story on that, it just reminded me of a buddy of mine who went on a trip up like near the border of Canada, like right up in like North New York, and it was like, uh, uh, wasn't like a peak season, so like nobody was on the course. The pro shop or the restaurant or whatever only had like one person inside. Got a hole in one. He didn't. He wasn't playing with anyone. And then after round, he ran inside to tell everyone to buy drinks, but there's nobody in there. Oh my gosh! So like it just kept getting worse. And like he tried to find someone to tell him they got a hole in one. Then he found someone. And the guy was just like, "All right," and he's like, "All right, I'm going home." <laughs> it's just, just a horrible hole in one. Story. That's I where felt the so nightmare bad. comes in, right? I know. I mean, it's it's remarkable. I don't know. I think me personally, I would rather have had the hole in one, even if it was only myself who got to enjoy it. I, I think I, if I. I think if I had one and I had no witnesses, I probably just wouldn't shout it from the rooftops because I wouldn't want people being like, yeah, sure you did. I think I would just keep that one in my own personal memory I bank. I think so. I think that's all you could do and just uh, right. maybe smile going to bed that night, you know, and think like, yep, I You can always it. say you have one. But you got to laugh that, that no one was there. Would to you believe it. me? I would believe you. I yeah. think at this point. Because what's your incentive to, to lie to me? At this point, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, I mean, we witness uh, thousands of golf shots each of each other. Right. So, but hey, if nothing else, that's why we rarely play solo, right? You know, and that's why we roll camera on every par three. That is true. That is one thing that I'll say is true. We Mm -hmm. learned that lesson a long time ago, as we said. uh, It no matter what, what, even if we're filming something else, if Mm -hmm. we got the cameras with it, just turn it on in a par three. You never know what might happen out there. Um, Anything else before we bring in these guys in for the interview? I know we. you know, little things going on in the news. Well, we didn't go to the PGA. The PGA show, PGA show week is this week. Yeah. And this is the first year. Well, forget about 2020. No, this is the second year we haven't 2021 been. 2021. Well, 2021. Because was virtual. It like, was all It virtual. almost was almost canceled yeah. for the most right. part. Right. Uh, but it's back this year. And we just, we, we opted to go to Innisbrook instead. It feels weird. It feels weird being two years without it. Because it's one of our favorite times I of the we'll year. we'll go back. We got to be back next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the PGA show because I like to not only see all the, the, the new equipment and stuff firsthand. And Demo Day is so cool. That huge circular driving range where yeah. you can test whatever you want. But I think the, the biggest part I like about it is just getting to see everybody else because you know they come from all over the world all, all the 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 different companies are there and we get to new link up with people launch. and we have a lot of fun um but what's I, new this year i mean there's not a lot of club manufacturers there what do we got right because you had a lot of material shortages you had things like that and honestly I, I don't feel like we're missing out this year because i want to go back the right way i want to i want to you know the everybody's it's it gets to the point where we can get healthy again and mm-hmm. we're not so worried about like all this distancing and stuff that we unfortunately we have to do yeah um it's just not the same so i can't wait till we get back there and we're we're go, you know having going out to dinner with everybody and, and and getting together and having fun again looking forward to that but the one good thing about the pga show is is, is the time that a lot of the equipment's coming out mm-hmm. um we saw some really exciting uh releases from ShotScope. That's right. Uh, they got a couple of new products, including this new like kind of hybrid uh, laser rangefinder and the stat tracking device. You know, if you've listened to us, you know we've been longtime ShotScope users. We like to track our stats. Uh, so I'm excited that. I know, you know, we've kind of been talking to them to send us a couple to try out. Yep. Uh, again, if we do, you know, get those soon, we'll, we'll do some unboxings and maybe some first looks on the YouTube channel. So make sure you're subscribed for that. Um, what else is big? Apparel's usually big. New shoes. Apparel is. New stuff dropping. Uh, speaking of which, you see Kepkes. Kepkes, what, Louis Vuittons? Yeah, the green ones. What do you think? Uh, not for me. Are those really golf shoes? 
No, no, no. They're I mean, just. I mean, you can't play golf in those, right? There's no, there's no spike, nothing like that. No, what's that? Let's act like a limited edition run. Like, what, what, they're only selling a couple, two hundred. Yeah, I think they're only selling two hundred of them, and the auction price is starting at two grand. <laughs> I could be wrong at that, but it's it makes bro, sense right? for yeah. an off-white Louis Vuitton collab. And if Brooks kept his names attached to it. He likes the fashion stuff. Man. I would have died there if Zach jumped on the mic and just said, just answered you with nothing other than it's fashion, bro. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Give you the it, traditional Kepka response. I missed my chance. You missed, you missed it. Your it's fashion, bro. It's fat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, just, just next year we'll be back. Next year we'll be back at the PGA show and excited to do it. And it's always, like I said, it's, it's a, it's just, it's, they say it's the Super Bowl for the golf. You know, yeah, uh, it's fun. Industry. We get and to see a lot of people that we it. don't get to see throughout the year, yeah. that we just only get to watch their content, and now we get to kind of hang out with them. Right. And um, it's always fun for us to get down there and meet up and collab with other people and things like that. Yeah, so, always a pleasure. Yeah, that's always exciting. So, all right, let's uh, tell you what. I don't want to keep these guys waiting. We've got a, we've got a lot to talk about. Like I said, we've got, we've got Aaron, we've got Corey here. We're going to bring them on the show now. We're going to talk about the new SM9s. Uh, so let's do a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll hop right into it. All right, guys, this episode is sponsored by Titleist. The evolution of the T-Series advances Titleist even further in their mission to produce the best irons in the world. New materials, new processes, and new refinements power, new precision that must be felt to be believed. And we felt that firsthand in our fitting. I would encourage you guys to go out, get fit, try the new Titleist T-Series, the T100, T100S, T200, and T300. There is something in there for everybody. And one thing I will seriously suggest is taking a look at potentially even mixing and matching uh, some mm -hmm. of the new combo sets that you can do. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can structure a set that's going to really work best for you. And each model is an instrument of exacting performance passed from Titleist R&D to Tor Pros to you. It's the Titleist T-Series, precision made, precision played. Find out more at Titleist.com. And big thanks to FootJoy. It doesn't mean because it's winter, we stop playing golf. FootJoy helps us make every day playable with all of the products that they create from the phase one base layer undergarment thermal, which I love the hybrid hoodie and the hydro tour jacket waterproof. It's flexible. It's mobile. You could swing through it. Wind protection regulates your body temperature. It has everything you need. It's a smart piece of apparel. And that's what we need when we're playing this game. The elements are rough. So guys, you got to check it out for yourself. Visit footjoy.com. See all the, the apparel that they offer to us to keep this game going all year long. Go check it out at footjoy.com. I'll tell you what, Mike, the heat went out in my house last weekend. Mm. Yeah, it's cold. The pipe froze. It happens. Yeah. You better believe I broke out that uh, phase one base layer. That's it. Yeah, right. Threw that puppy on. Uh -huh. Yep. Nice and warm. Toasty. See? Can't say the rest for the rest of my family, but I at least I was warm. They made your life playable that day. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> but That's hey, great. we made that day uh, playable. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's go ahead and jump into our interview right now. We're going to bring uh, Aaron, Dill, and Corey Gerard from Vokey on the show to talk about the new Vokey SM9 wedges. All right. So on the line, we have Aaron Dill, the Vokey Wedge rep. You've seen him out on tour. And we've got Corey Gerard, marketing director for Vokey Wedges on the podcast. Boys, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, thanks for having guys. us, guys. Hey, we, we appreciate you being here. And we got a lot to talk about. We know the launch of the SM9 wedges is an exciting time for, for us all, really. And uh, before we dive into the details, it's, this is the same question that we asked Bob himself, Bob Vokey, back in 2020 at the PGA show. We asked him, what was the difference? What was the big change between the SM7s and the SM8s? So I want to throw this on you right away. What was that difference that went into creating these SM9s? Well, 
Well, I'm going to take that one, AD, to kick off. And I think, guys, is more than one thing, right? So that's the really exciting thing about SM9 is when we look to, hey, what makes a great wedge? What are players looking for? What do we need to design? We look at three keys to wedge play. Number one, that's shot versatility. So we're talking grinds, making sure you have the right options around the green, no matter hey, what conditions you're playing in or what style of player you might be. Number two is a big one too, and that is distance and trajectory control. So we want to make sure that we have our CG, our center of gravity, in all the right positions to make sure we give you the right ball flight so you're going to hit your number more often. You're going to be more consistent there. And then, of course, the big one at the end is number three, spin, maximum spin. Nobody is looking for less spin. They want more and more. So we've found a really cool way to... uh, to improve upon that. So really, what's the big change with SM9 from SM8? We are looking at three key areas. Um, we've got a really cool story in all of those that we're looking forward to uh, getting into. Yeah, and we've heard Bob use this word saying, you know, it, it's the ultimate in optionality is what we hear him saying about the SM9s. So how, if you can expand on that a little bit, what, what does Bob mean there when he says optionality? Yeah, it's a big word. I don't know where Vogue got that word from. It's a really good one. But he's really talking about the closer we get to the green, we have more options for the players in terms of the right loft, the right bounce, and the right grind for those players. So, AD, that's a good one for you as we look to kick that back to a tour question. Why is that so important for your players to have different options? Yes, like anything, options are really fun. And I think for us on the tour, you know, our our players are constantly challenging us to explore and learn and grow. And sometimes that really comes down to finding souls and bounce combinations that really make sense on the, you know, in the types of grasses and soil types that we experience everywhere we play golf. Uh, And these guys have all different types of styles of play. Some guys are steeper, some guys are shallower, Uh, you know, going from bent to rise to fescue to Bermuda totally different conditions. And so, uh, you know, for us, it's about finding ways to make golf, which is already a very difficult game, a little bit easier at times. And sometimes that can be as simple as just finding a grind and a bounce that really fits those needs and those conditions. And, you know, you build up some confidence from that. But for us, uh, it's it's making it a little bit easier, a little bit better, uh, giving our players a couple of extra shots here and there. And then at the same time, learning um, – where we need to improve and what kind of shot or what kind of soles and grinds we could we could make that makes golf a little better. So what's so interesting to me is that wedges really are some of the most versatile clubs in the back. They're they're like a Swiss Army knife in that you know, you think of a seven iron, you know, sure you've got different shot shapes, but for the most part, it's almost always a full swing club, unless it's your chipping club. But when it comes to wedges, there's just so many different shots that are played, you know, half swing shots, you know, uh, bunker shots, things like that. So when it comes to each type of wedge, you know, when they're designing these wedges, like how difficult is it knowing that you've got to design it for so many different shots? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the hard part. And you look at our, you look at our stock matrix is 23 different models six different grinds, a bunch of different bounce combinations. And these are things that, you know, I've learned from Bob over the last 15 years is what really, you know, what really works, what sort of bounce angles work well on different types of soles. Are, are we building the different soul matrix um, that allow our players to have sort of the max versatility, whether they play in Scotland or they play in the grainy Bermuda of Florida. So 
you know, trying to trying to understand that really starts here at the PGA Tour level. We we build a bunch of cool prototypes. We bring them out. We let the guys hit them, and those guys give us great feedback and and basically uh, uh, give us the best idea of what works and more importantly what doesn't. Yeah. So that feedback that you're getting not only goes into helping those guys win and changing the design year over year with the wedges, but also that trickles down to the everyday player, right? Yeah. I mean. It, the tour players, they're so good. They're so talented. Yeah. For me, it's really simple because they're they are so consistent in their strikes. I'm not very consistent, so <laughs> I'm certainly not going to be the I'm not going to be the guinea pig that goes out and uh, tries to tries to learn different grinds and things like that. But um, I think as golfer, you know, we all have very similar errors, issues, mistakes, strengths, weaknesses. You know, we all sort of do it very similarly. But these guys give us great insight in a in a hurry into uh, what grinds and what bounces really work the best. Gotcha. So then, so then Corey, like trickling that down to us everyday player, what are some of the stuff that's in the SM nine that's maybe under the hood, that's going to give us a little bit more of maybe that forgiveness we might be looking for when we're, we're not having that perfect strike every time, like these tour players. Yeah. Good question. I think even before we get to that, I mean, you can have the best center of gravity. You can have the best grooves in the game. But if you don't have the right grind, you're not going to get the right contact. So Aaron brought up a really good point there where he was talking about, hey, you got to get the right contact and the right strike location. So we get so many questions from players, guys, saying, hey, tell me about the grinds. What is a grind? And really the basic answer is we're talking about the shape of the sole. Different soles have different shapes, whether it's for someone's playing style or the conditions they're in. And we want to find one that matches that for you. Aaron would say out there on tour that he's looking for his players to strike the ball between grooves two and five. So if you find the right grind, you're going to do that and it's going to give you great contact. If you get something that's a little narrow, maybe a little less bounce, that might dig a little bit for you. The ball's now going to hit higher up the face. You're going to get higher launch, low spin, and the ball's going to carry short. So even before we look under the hood, the grind or the sole is actually really, really important. So we want to make sure that we help players find the right one. And then really to answer your question of what's going in inside the club, it's really cool and because it's really hard to do. You know, we had such a big change with SM8. Our team, Kevin Tosistro, Ron, obviously Aaron and Bob, that little team, they figured out a way to really move the center of gravity forward. And when they're talking center of gravity, guys, they're talking mass. They're moving material around in the club to get it to balance in the right spot. What they were finding was, hey, if we move that center of gravity up and up and up, that actually goes back and it can leave the club face open. So SM8, we pushed it forward, squares the club face up for you, and you get a really good contact. The next step with the tour players coming back to Aaron and Bob saying, we'd like to flight our lower, uh, sorry, our higher lofts a little lower. So we're talking lob wedges. They want a lower ball flight, which is probably different to what you guys and I see out in the golf course on the weekend is most people probably think they need to hit that lob wedge coming in quite high, hence the name. But the best players in the world are looking for a lower flight. So with SM9, we've raised the center of gravity up and we've done that by putting more mass on the top line of the club. So it's a little thicker on the top line. CG goes up, ball flight comes down. What's that going to give you? You're going to get a lower ball flight. You're going to be able to spin it more and you'll control that distance more consistently as well. So you're going to hit the ball closer more often. 
because that that center of gravity is in the right spot for you. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I am far from a tour player, but but recently, in fact, last year, remember, we did our playing lesson uh, at, at uh, Pound Ridge. Right, And yes. we were learning With a little Brett. bit more about, you know, a, a, a hitting a good wedge trajectory that's lower and spinnier. And as soon as you start to do that, it's revolutionary. Because, and I had always thought, like, 60-degree wedge, I'd just get it way up in the air. But the yeah. problem is different conditions we could be in trouble windy days things like that uh there's just something to be said for it that first time you feel it when you're able to pl play a lower trajectory higher spinning wedge shot it's a it's a feel of control that you just don't have when that ball gets up in the air yeah, yeah we we're so used to talking about launching drivers high mm -hmm. we want irons to go nice and high too so that we can land them and stop them on a green but Aaron, your players were a little different, and Chesson Hadley said something to you last week that I kind of chuckled about, but it was great to hear because, you know, one of the world's best players on the PGA Tour. What did he say to you? Share that with the boys about low ball flight. Well, everything he says makes me laugh. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a funny guy. Uh, you know, Chesson said, you can't make it go low enough for me. You know, they... These guys are so good at golf, uh, and 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 they're they're so good because they have the ability to control a golf ball. But you know, with that much loft, the strike's very oblique. So it's really important that you find a grind and a loft that helps you flight the ball properly, even even when you're not hitting it great. Uh, and that's really our main focus. And Chesson, you know, he really highlighted that, saying, you know, ball flight is extremely important to us. It's something that I need you to focus on. I need you to pay attention, work with your engineers, help me figure out ways to help me keep that golf ball through the lower windows, because that's, that's the best way for me to hit my carry numbers with some ease, have plenty of stopping power, keep it below the wind. Um, and I really, you know, I, I challenge you to do that. And then, and we listened, we, we listened to what these guys wanted us to, to focus on. And uh, our team of, of Kevin and Ron, those guys, they knocked it out of the park. This product is doing exactly that. Yeah. Safe to say you guys like a good challenge. <laughs> we, we do. Yeah. And I'll tell you, going back to that, talking about, getting the right bounce and grind combination for you as an individual and, and even the conditions you play in, like obviously on tour, they're changing conditions. They're traveling around the world and playing all different types of golf courses. And I'm sure that has its own unique challenges with changing things for them. But, uh, speaking from experience, Mike and I, you know, we got fit for the SM eights, uh, fit predominantly for the style and type of golf we play here in the Northeast, you know, 80% of our rounds are played here. And then last year we traveled down to Pinehurst and we were playing number two. And I remember you had texted, yeah, I texted Aaron, Aaron and said like, what's going on here? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. I can't get through this turf. Just, it's, and it just showed immediately. It was that light bulb moment about how different types of golf courses and different style like turf interaction is going to change. And you, you have to adapt your equipment in a lot of ways to it because um, we just, we were struggling through it. But so, so when, when, a golfer is trying to identify the proper grind bounce. Where do they start? Like what's the good best starting point there to make sure that they're kind of not swimming against the current. They want to be riding the waves rather than swimming against the current. Yeah. So from the tour perspective, um, we're, we're going to look at fitting in a, in a handful of different ways. The first place we focus on is making sure you have proper gapping. Um, you want to make sure that whatever you're doing with your wedges from your pitching wedge to your highest loft, that there is, you know, basically no more than 15 yards in between each wedge. That'll give you the proper distances you need to not have to make uh, a guesswork of hitting different wedge shots when you're, when you're playing. 
Uh, the other part of it is, what are you doing with these wedges? And I think for most of us, you know, if we're, if we're going into a golf store, we just go, hey, give me the middle bounce or give me something that you saw maybe in, a, in an ad or maybe you follow a golfer and you want that. But the reality is there is a best grind and bounce for an individual. Um, you've got to understand what that is. That's your trial test and errors. Um, so we'll focus on that. You know, if, if you're the type of player that plays a 46, 50, 54, 58, um, the 46 and the 50, those are pretty simple. You know, those are distance wedges. They're, they're 10 irons, figure out how far you need those to go and then choose a bounce in the 50 that, that makes sense. If you have a bigger divot, try a little more bounce. If you have firmer conditions, try a little bit less bounce, you know? And so you can base it off those things. But once you start getting into the higher lofts, that 54 and 58, that's where you have to start asking yourself. Did we lose his audio? Type of bounce. I can pick it up here, guys. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, because I think we just lost Aaron's audio there. Yeah. Aaron was just about to say, as you get to the 54 and 58, you really have to ask yourself, what am I doing with this wedge? What do I want to be able to do? And for a lot of people, that could be as simple as, hey, do you like to open it up and play different shots? For others, it might be, actually, I really want this sand wedge to be more of my square-to-square one. I'll occasionally play full shots with it. Maybe I don't use it out of the bunker. And then for some, the lob wedge becomes more versatile for them where they say, hey, I do want to open it up occasionally or it's my bunker club. So to that point, it's really important to go and try them and get fit. But Voke and Aaron would always say that they like to see a little more bounce in the sand wedge and then a little less in the lob wedge. So you've got that versatility, not just trying to find one wedge that does the whole thing for you. As you guys found when you went from the northeast down to Pinehurst, a big lesson is, all right, what can I do with this wedge and what can't I do with this wedge? And knowing those boundaries on one, getting plenty of versatility, but then having versatility through the bag of wedges. So you've got something a little different in the sand wedge and a little less bounce in that lob wedge. Gotcha. And that's where that grind is going to come in too, right? Like if, if let's say we were opening up a club, uh, traditionally we would be adding some bounce to it. But if you have certain types of grinds, they're designed so that you can open it up without adding some bounce. So I think a lot of that is like the conversation maybe you're having with your fitter where you're telling them the types of shots that you're playing, right? Yeah. And, and hey, don't be afraid to look down at it. You have to love what you're looking at, the shape and the profile. If you like to open up the lob wedge a little bit or even the sand wedge and you don't like the way that leading edge sits way up off the ground, you need to go and look at another grind. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it's absolutely the right one and you just see through the different shots that, hey, this is a better performing one looks are really important so yeah we have we have different grinds and like aaron said as we get closer to the green that's where we really want to have more options for you so that you don't have to go and manufacture different things we can give you clubs that suit what you're trying to do gotcha and and hey looks are very important we want clubs to perform we also want some pretty clubs so what are the um what are the finish options? Because I know that's what a lot of people are going to want to want to know. When the, in the SM9 lineup, what what finish options will they have? We have two chrome, brushed steel, and jet black. So we have three different ones. The jet black is a raw type of finish that will um, lose a bit of its shine over time, which is pretty cool. A little bit less glare. And as a custom option, we have raw too, which becomes quite popular. Um, a lot of people think that spins more because they see that out on tour with Aaron and the world's best players, but it doesn't. We cut every groove to make sure that it matches that finish and they're all the same. 
and why the the guys and girls out on tour tend to use raw is because they might need something done to the back of the club or the sole that requires Aaron to take it back to the tour truck, get on the grinding wheel and start peeling away some material so that it suits them in the different conditions. Now, he can't do that to something like a tour chrome, which has got this beautiful paint finish on it because it would just ruin the look. Um, So that's really why they play a lot of raw product on tour. Gotcha. And you mentioned the grooves there and the, the variation. I had read and I was, I was digging into this a little bit that you actually have some different groove cut patterns based on the different lofts. Is that right? Like, can you fill us in a little bit more about what the thinking was with that? We do. And we've taken it another step further with SM9 as well, because we now have a, a completely new groove cutting process. So it's going to give you sharper grooves. It's going to give you more consistency as well. Our whole process is a lot more consistent. We still check every single one on every single head. So you're going to get more spin more often, which is exactly what people are looking for. But you're right. With the different lofts, we have two different ways of cutting them. They're on different angles. And that's really because you're hitting those when you think about it. Say a gap wedge or a lob wedge, that lob wedge is really sliding under the ball a little more. So we have, you know, one's deeper and wider and the other one's um, narrow and shallower, that's really what we're trying to do there is is get those different grooves so that we can get all the debris, the grass, the sand going in at the right angle that makes sense for, you know, the loft angle you're presenting at impact. Gotcha. And then between that, now we've got the, the micro grooves too. And we talked earlier yeah. about like this being very versatile clubs. So there's some clubs that we're, we're taking half shots with, obviously not putting as much, you know, club head speed through the ball. We still want to get that that grip that creates that spin, is that where those micro grooves come in? Exactly, yeah. And if you're looking at, say, wet rough or wet sand, even on those partial shots, that's where it's really going to help you because those little micro grooves, they just sit up above the groove a little bit so they catch that ball. That's really going to help you get some grip from those conditions. Gotcha. And I think we got AD back. Did AD back, back here on the line? There he is. You can hear it. Oh, we don't, still don't have any audio for you. He might have muted himself. It's that tour truck Wi-Fi. We're gonna we're gonna call you right. We're gonna we're gonna get you right back on Zach. If you could just hang up and have him call us right back. In the meantime, because I got a question for Aaron, we want to ask yeah. him about some. We had some very quick tour validation in the way of Cam Smith that we can yeah. talk about uh, here in a second. But um, I actually wanted to jump in. I, yeah. This is just a question for. I get a lot of questions about fittings with wedges and the theory behind grass and turf or indoor versus outdoor. Can you truly do a wedge fitting inside? You can, but the questions need to be spot on. You know, a lot of this is really, a lot of fitting is really about the interview. And then we work through the practical element. But I just think the questions become more important when you're indoors. So you can absolutely do a wedge fit inside. We just want to make sure that we're asking that question again of, hey, what are you trying to do with this wedge? And then we're going to put you to the test. Um, And you can definitely see it. Even off a mat, guys, if you're hitting into a net or a simulator, if you're blessed to have um, some numbers there with a a launch monitor, that's really going to help too. We want to make sure that the ball's not launching too high. You know, we want that nice low launch angle. Um, A lower flighted wedge is going to spin more as well. So there's some telltale signs. And don't forget, contact is really important. You know, if you get the wrong grind, you are definitely going to see that ball hit in the wrong spot on the club face. It might not be grooves two to five where we want it. It might be a little toey, might be a little high on the face. So there's definitely a lot we can learn inside. But we're going to put you to the test after we ask you those questions. Sure. 
Gotcha. All right, we'll try. Let's try one more time with Aaron. That's Aaron, can you, can you hear us? I can hear you guys. All right, there he is. Awesome. Well, the other thing we wanted to ask you too, coming full circle with the tour, you saw some immediate validation with Cam Smith. You know, the first the first event out there with the SM nines, uh, an incredible win, a record record setting win. <laughs> so, um, what was the feedback there? Well, we were excited at the beginning. We seated the guys earlier for the TOC, and we were just able to talk to them through text, through calls, and give them the story of what we were trying to focus on and what we what we wanted our players to see as they played these new these new wedges. Um, and I was hoping to be at the TOC, but I wasn't able to make it. And to see so many players bring it in, use it that week, I think we had 14 of 19 players in the first week use the product. And then Cam goes out and just does what he does. I mean, it just really validates how good the product is. Um, and really what I think will be a pretty phenomenal year for us, not only you know with, with this product, but just in total wins and usage. Yeah, well, it's got to feel good to right off the bat have such you know wide acceptance and usage of them, no doubt. And I know you but, had to ask about what's that? The hair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Have, have either of you guys <laughs> witnessed the mullet in person? Is it as glorious and beautiful in person as we see it here? <laughs> it's stunning. <laughs> yeah, everyone thinks it looks dirty, but uh, no, it's uh, it's definitely working for him. I hope he keeps it. I hope he keeps it. <laughs> He's great. He's such a great, great uh, guy to watch on well, tour. Well, he's winning. You can't let yeah. it go now, Love right? Cam. I mean, you have to keep it That's going. That's right. Yeah. Um, any, uh, Aaron, any any cool custom stamping? I know that's always a, a fun part of it. Anything uh, across the tour that ha- you've had some fun with lately? You see the canvas on these SM9s is pretty big. Yeah, pretty big nice, uh, canvas to work clean with. clean slate, that's for sure. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. In the, in the early stages, we're just really focused more on making sure the guys have the right product, that they're mm-hmm. fit properly. Once we know what they're going to want, uh, then it's off to the races. We're just going to stamp and have a great time. There Love you it. Go. There you go. So, all right. So kind of just kind of one big thing to kind of tie it together. I know, uh, and Corey, maybe you could tackle this one. For a good starting point on the website, you've got the uh, the wedge selector tool because we talked about before the versatility here. You've got quite a few grinds, bounce options, things like that. Getting people into the the right club that they can really use as a weapon out there. It's working with them, you know, kind of not against them. Is the wedge selector the place to start? Is it with these, as Mike was you know, talking about earlier, these one-on-one fittings? What would be your recommendation for someone who wants to really take full advantage of the new lineup? I do all of the above. I think it's a lot of fun doing the wedge selector tool getting through it yourself, you know, really asking yourself that question, what am I trying to do with each wedge? And then seeing what it gives you. And it's incredibly accurate. It's been very, very good. And then you can take that along to the fit. Go and see a fitter, spend some time with them, because that's really where you're going to put that recommendation to the test and see which grind gives you the right contact. So I'm a big believer you can have a lot of fun with both of those. And that's really what we're trying to trying to do here is, hey, the right grind is going to give you the right contact and the shot versatility. We know that center of gravity is going to give you the right ball flight. We know the grooves are going to give you the maximum spin. So if you can go through the wedge selector tool and, and see a fitter, either or, that's going to be great. And, you know, in our own personal experience, we, we've learned that e- even the best fitters that are out there, they're only, you know, can be as good as the information that they can get from you. So the more you can know about your own golf game, the more you're going to get out of it. You know, just knowing, as you said, being aware of the different types of shots you play or the shots you want to play, 
um, that's that information that's gold to these these fitters. And the, the the benefit is that they've got this SM9 lineup that gives them so many different variations and things that they can do with it. So uh, I mean, my own from my own personal you know amateur type yeah, of right. standpoint, it would be from what I've learned is that no, as much you can know your game. You're going to get more out of no matter what the tool is, whether it's the wedge selector or whether it's a, a fitter, uh, for sure. Yeah, totally. And you guys have spent so much time with Kevin. You know that feeling that yeah. it's so much fun being fit for wedges. You get this instant feedback, particularly if you're out around the short game area. You hit that right grind. You get the contact that feels unbelievable. And then the ball just flies out nice and long and stops next to the pin. That's a pretty cool moment. So yeah. we want more and more people to go and experience that. And it's such a confidence builder. I mean, that's what we're looking for in, in our golf game is always confidence. It's a big word. You know, consistency and confidence is what we hear like the most. And uh, there's just something about it when you just feel like you matched up well with, with a club that can do what you want it to do. And you got that confidence from the fitting that you can say, next time I'm faced with that situation, I can attack it confidently. And that's been a a huge driver and change you know in our game that's yeah. for sure yeah i like to guys we get this question a lot you know should i go and get fit for wedges and i like to be a little cheeky and come back and say do you want longer putts or shorter putts after the wedge shot <laughs> right yeah exactly they are the the money clubs that's for sure mike's got money stamped on one of his clubs that's for it that my reason. 60 degrees my money club and it's funny one of our our dear friends who's the two-time club champ at baltus Rawl, he changed his way he changed his wedges what twice a year uh, right, you know, three times, three times a year, and that's one thing His we've focus. learned a lot from playing from with some great players is how much they value the yep. wedge to the point where that he will get it refreshed, you know, a, a, you know, fresh set. But he's playing a lot of golf. Yeah, I'll give you that. But he's getting them. I think he says three times a season. Sure. What is? Yeah, uh, even what, practice. Yeah. What would you say is a recommendation for someone when it's time? Because this might also be a trigger for some people who are listening or saying, "Hey, there's, you know, a yeah, new like, lineup. It, a, it might be. Is it a number of rounds? Take a look. Is, what's the? Yeah. When is it? Uh, the best time for someone to look at getting some new wedges. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to answer this and then throw it to Aaron for a tour perspective. But we've seen that after 75 rounds, that wedge is going to wear out. You're going to start to see the spin drop off. Now, are you sitting there counting every round? Some people do, some people don't. The biggest thing is you'll start to see that ball launch a little higher. You know, that's not what we're after. You can also have a look at that contact position, grooves two to five or where we'd like to see you striking the ball. Are the grooves still intact? Are they sharp? Are they clean? Or are they a little, you know, messed up? Is, is, have they taken a beating? So we want to make sure that you've got that. And I think what's going on here, guys, and, and I'm one of them as a regular golfer, you don't notice that spin dropping off if you're playing regular golf. You know, if you play each week, what used to stop at eight feet, maybe a year later stops at 15 feet, but you didn't notice that because it was happening week to week. It's like you guys see each other all the time, so you don't know that, hey, Frank or Mike, your hair's grown out a little bit. But if you waited six months and saw each other, you'd be like, oh, my God, what have you done to your hair? Right, so right. we see a little bit of that going on in the wedge space. And I think, Aaron, for you out on tour, seeing that higher ball flight come off the wedge is probably a sure sign for those players, right? Yes, we're definitely going to see the ball flight change a little bit. It'll fly a little higher. Uh, we could see some differences in carry numbers as well. You know, again, going back to when that ball flies higher, it carries a little shorter, and you do have some erratic spin numbers. 
Um, so we're constantly paying attention to that, making sure that guys have the right spin and the right models. It's not really for us. It's not really about making sure you have the right spin or the most spin at all the different lofts. It's about making sure you have the right spin and the right lofts. And so we have a one, two, three, four rule in the PGA tour. And that's basically in a calendar year, one pitching wedge, two gap wedges, three sand wedges, and four lob wedges. Um, seems like a lot, but these guys hit more balls than anybody and they work really hard on their games. And when you take a wedge into the bunker, you're going to see spin decay much, much faster from that location. And so I'm constantly keeping an eye on these guys, uh, on their grooves and, and, and ask them a lot of questions about things. And they're also very good at being proactive and, and reaching out as well. So, you know, that's, that's a big part of this role is making sure these guys have fresh grooves and, uh, you know, just basically giving them a little bit more control of that ball a little more often. For sure. And we know it's only around the corner. Masters is coming up. I'm sure everybody's going to want to be as fresh as possible fresh. when we hit Augusta. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. We'll, Are they we'll knocking do some on early, the tour, we'll, truck door they, <laughs> around that time? You know, it, it's it's events like Augusta National and the Open Championship or uh, U.S. Open where you you start reaching out to guys three to four weeks early and saying, okay, I've done a little research. This is what we're going to see weather-wise. This is what we're going to see soil and turf-wise this is kind of what I think the golf course is going to be set up as. Let's start thinking about a grind or a bounce that maybe fits those conditions more than what you currently have. Uh, and we'll start doing some research ahead of time and getting these guys prepared. You know, for an Augusta, I'll start talking to players three weeks in advance and saying, I'm going to prepare something for you. This is what I think you're going to need. And then let's let's get together Monday and let's talk about it. You know, after you play a practice round, you're going to have a good sensation of what that golf course is going to need. And sometimes it's not a grind. Sometimes it's actually a loft change. You know, some, sometimes, you know, a place like Augusta, you need a 62 or a 64. Uh, sometimes you need less bounce. Sometimes you need more. So it's really about doing a little research, talking to the guys, getting them ready to go. And I think that's going to give them the best chance to play great golf that week. And that's why they love them out there. That's the why guy they behind do. the guy. The guy they behind the guy. And, yep. and, you know, you're, you're in a tour truck. So I'm, I'm assuming you're on site at Torrey Pines right now. Is that correct, Aaron? I, I am. And I apologize for, for the phone being funny. It's, you know, it seems like the closer you get to the ocean, it's it's God's way of saying, you know what, turn your phone off. Yeah. <laughs> <So> we're not, <laughs> we don't have great reception here, but yes, I am inside the tour van. Um, this How's is the... this is our final day for uh -huh. this week, just kind of getting guys prepared. How's Tori looking? How pure is it looking? I'm sure it's beautiful. <laughs> this place is always so good this time of year. It's that I was just um, saying earlier, there's not a cloud in the sky. It yeah. is. Perfect, perfect blue skies, no clouds. Um, you can see the ocean. The grass is as green and as healthy as you'd hoped it would be. Uh, and the guys are saying what you'd expect. It's playing long. Mm -hmm. We're seeing some five woods going to play. We're seeing, you know, just some little changes here. And there, but I think um, this should be a, a great week. I'm excited to watch it. So well, I'm sorry to cut you, Frank, but yeah. but so with that said, on courses like that, I've always I've always wanted to ask this question of Pebble Beach at Torrey Pines. Obviously, you're on the coast. The wind is that a big factor in a week like this? Oh, absolutely. You know, this is, I would say that, that Pebble's one of those golf courses where wind is always, you know, it's going to be there for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't say it's as long playing as, as Tory would be, Tory South, especially, mm -hmm. you know, this place not only has wind, but it has, it has tremendous length and it also has some of the nastiest rough. Yeah. And so it really is a, a pretty severe thing. You know, the, the golf course really, it really shows. And then a place like Pebbles just visually stunning. It's it's you know it's not quite as bad because you've got the hams there, um, but it does it does have that natural element of, of wind. Yeah. Well, and and as what I'm wondering is supporting obviously so many Vokey guys are, that are out there keeping you very busy is 
Is it always just kind of a, a tease out the window, or do you ever get out there to play a little bit yourself, Aaron? I'm not playing much golf these days. No, it's, uh, I, I kind of figured. <laughs> Corey's probably yeah. It's more golf. you know we. I don't. I don't know. I mean, Corey and I we I see we see each other in the office a little <laughs> okay. too much. Okay. <laughs> we try, we try, but it's you know with with family and work, uh, those two things are priority one, and we got to make sure that family's right and works right, and then we'll go find time for golf. We do there joke that it's often the guys who work in golf. Everyone says it's your dream job, but we we tend to get to play the least golf exactly. are the guys who are working in it and the daily grind. But um, I'll tell yeah. you what, guys, we, we appreciate you both taking the time to come on the show. I know you've been super busy, and, and, and as you should be, everyone's been very excited about the launch of the SM9s. Uh, we're going to be getting a couple in our hands really soon just to, to get a feel from ourselves, and then we're going to be getting out there to get fit for them because we know that that's where, like we said earlier, the, the, the real rubber meets the road is when you get fit and get dialed in with these clubs. So um, we're excited. We'll let you guys know how it goes for us. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and, and telling us a little bit more uh, about really what went into these SM9s. We're very excited to put them in our own bags. Good stuff, guys. We're excited for you. Let us know how you go. We, we 100% will. We'll give well. you feedback. And Corey, I didn't share this with you. We showed Aaron before that we're... We want to. We we bought this on eBay for nineteen bucks, an old wedge here with no grooves. Beautiful. We want to get it all. Like the grip is non-existent. We just want to get it refurbished or something fun. And uh, I know Aaron, you want me to send it to you, but part of me almost wants to hold it till I'm in that truck again. I just love that playground that you get to work in. Hey, we've we've got Aaron. Aaron, we've got a saying for these guys, Mike. When you get a wedge like that, Aaron, what's our saying? If it's time to change the grip. Yeah, if it's time to change the grip, it's time to change the wedge. Yep. <laughs> Got to change those, those grooves. grooves. Those grooves are toast. Yeah. I mean, we, we yep. love those fun, like, restoration videos on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, this one's for the wall, This is just for, for the, the wall, <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a collector's item. That's for sure. It's a thing of beauty. That's right. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, again, can't thank you enough for the time and uh, really looking forward not only to, to playing them ourselves, but to continue to see, you know, as we dig into the 2022 season uh, on tour, what the guys are able to do with all of the new developments that have gone to the SM9s. Really excited for it. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, we'll talk to you guys. I'm sure we'll catch up with you soon. We'll give you a little feedback when we get to game them ourselves. Take care, guys. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys. See ya. All right. My uh, appetite is fully wet now. Yep. I cannot get wait, wait to, to get, get our hands on them. Uh, and, and we're going to be getting our hands on the new SM9s this week. Uh, in fact, probably be here tomorrow. They should be. Um, Dude, how sexy are micro grooves? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's a phrase uh, that's new to me. I, uh, and it's just, I always find it so interesting what goes into this and the thought that goes in behind it. And I just love that kind of trickle down process, you know, of uh, of Bob and Aaron and the whole Vokey team, like listening to kind of the highest level of golf, the tour players, what they're looking for, mm -hmm. and then being able to create a club that is going to work for them at the highest level, but also work for us as your everyday kind of weekend grinder golfers. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it just shows you like they're able to tend to take the things that they learn and adapt them to these clubs. And they've just created so much versatility when it comes to this whole big lineup of different grinds. And, and that's something we could have gone on forever about digging into each grind and each one, they what they do. But I think that's where things like that wedge selector tool getting right. fit comes in because I tell you, from my own experience, the level of confidence that comes out of just knowing that the club in your hand is fit for you, for the type of shot you play, for the type of conditions you play, 
uh, it just it gives you confidence that you just wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, and the the exact line I don't, I don't the exact line, but Corey said something about you know that feeling when you can hit a wedge shot and you can get it to stop by the hole. Yeah. you know, I mean, and we weren't doing that like years and years ago when we weren't fit. Like now to see like our shots stop and spin yeah. it's like whoa when i first started from? to learn that lower trajectory mm-hmm. wedge shot i won't lie the first couple times i was nervous seeing a, a ball coming into the green so low right i use i usually think of that as like hot and mm-hmm. you're like ah there it goes but the amount of spin you can put on it if hit properly with that trajectory it just it's like velcro it yeah. just kind of stops uh-huh. and it, it's it's a game changer because if you can play that shot you can play in a you know a lot of different conditions. We talk about all the time how you and I will play in pretty much anything. Right. You know, cold, mm-hmm. windy, whatever. We want to be out there. And uh, if you're fully reliant on the only way you can stop that ball is to get it way up in the air, a huge lofted shot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't realize you're leaving a lot on the table. Yeah. I mean, you think know? about like you, the question we asked at the end of regarding different locations and different weather that these guys just factor yeah. into when creating these wedges. It's insane. I, 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 like I said, I mean, the certain things like that, you just, the value that it brings and you have a guy like Aaron mm-hmm. who is looking ahead weeks in advance before a tournament, looking at what the conditions are going to be like, looking at what the weather is going to be like and helping these guys get dialed in yeah. with those wedges is incredible. But uh, again, I feel like we always walk away from these things learning something. I learned definitely learned something new, especially with the grooves, the way they've done with the new groove patterns and, and how the grooves are cut differently based on the loft. Mm-hmm. And it's so true when you think about it. I'm no engineer, but when you think about it, the way Corey was explaining it, yeah, obviously, you know, a higher lofted club is going to require a little bit of a different way to grip the golf ball because of how it, it, it kind of works its way through. So we learned a lot of stuff on that interview. Hopefully you guys uh, did too. And you can get to the show notes for everything we talked about today by going to golfficy.com slash episode 412, episode 412. Uh, and stay tuned. We will give you guys a little bit more of our feedback as we start to get through and we, we start to play the SM9s. Mm-hmm. I'm super excited for it. And, um, you know, we'll see how it's able to change our game. And, oh, yeah. and especially once we get out there and get I, mean, fit. I rely on these clubs so much. So you do. I'm That's excited. why it's your money club. Mm hmm. Mike has beat me many times with that 60 degree. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a year I of just defeat. I could be standing defeat. on the green and think, I got this guy. I got my green in regulation. Then all of a sudden, put I put that, that 60 degree wedge. That third shot foot. close for my tap in par right. sometimes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe next hole. <laughs> maybe next hole. All right, guys. That's everything we have for you this week. Uh, we'll see everybody again next week. We've got some more exciting interviews lined up. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't done so already. And we'll see you next week.